Today's show brought to you in part by our friends at Santa Anita, specifically the Santa Anita contest coming up at this fall meet, which we are very happy to be co-presenting along with our pals over there. You can learn all about these different contests, including the live bankroll contest they have, the Pick'em Challenge, and the Showviver contest. SantaAnita.com slash contest is going to bring you right there. Really great opportunities and other stuff as well, including the low roller on track contest you can play there where so many great players have cut their teeth. Learn more about it. SantaAnita.com slash contest. Hello and welcome to the In The Money Players Podcast. We have so much content this weekend that we have it parsed out in, I'm not joking, I think we're across four different shows. So there's a lot going on over here. What a big weekend of racing it is. Santa Anita, we did a live stream last night. You can catch that replay. We're going to have a special audio-only show for Laurel. We're also going to have an audio-only show that covers Woodbine and Hawthorne and the Meadowlands as well as Churchill Downs. So those tracks are going to be elsewhere. This show, we've got an all-star lineup of guests. We're going to be kicking it off with Jonathan Kinchin and Stephen Christ talking about this pick six at Backwaduct, Belmont at Aqueduct on Saturday. We've got Billy Cops from Little Red Feather dropping by to talk about the Golden Hour races and a horse of his running on Saturday at Santa Anita, sort of bonus Santa Anita and Golden Gate coverage. We're going to wrap things up with a look at the JRA races on Saturday night that also previews the four Japanese runners running in the Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe on Sunday. That's what this show is going to contain, and we're going to kick it off right after this. Today's show also brought to you by our friends at the Breeders' Cup. A busy weekend lies ahead for when and you're in action from literally across the world. The Belmont at the Big A hosts the Miss Grillo and the Champagne Way of action for the Juvenile Phillies Turf and Juvenile. Then on Sunday, October 2nd, we've got the Pilgrim and Frizette. Belmont at Aqueduct, we're going to have a special baby talk episode devoted to those winning your inaction for the Juvenile Turf and the Juvenile Phillies, respectively, are the Pilgrim and the Frizette. Additionally, the Churchill Downs Akak Stakes, that's winning your in for the big-ass fans, Dirt Mile. And then finally, opening weekend at Santa Anita brings us the Awesome Again Stakes on Saturday, winning your in for the Long Jeans Classic, as well as the Speakeasy Stakes on Sunday, winning your in for the Juvenile Turf Sprint. We'll have it all covered the uh, Santa Anita live stream we did covered the awesome again, and we're going to have that Sunday uh, way at the speakeasy as part of baby talk as well. And then there's the slew of stakes at long shop, including the pre de l'arc de triomphe. You can catch Mark Kramer's analysis of that on the rebroadcast of horse player happy hour. And we're going to have a whole special uh, plus episode about all the long jeans, uh, not long jeans, long shop stakes on Sunday. All winners receive entry fees, Paid by the Breeders' Cup, a $10,000 award to the nominator, and a $10,000 travel allowance for horses stabled outside of Kentucky. You can find coverage across NBC, Fox Sports 2, and FanDuel TV. Next up on the show, very happy to welcome in a man I met about a year ago. Instantly enjoyed speaking to him about racing in North America and around the world. He is a correspondent for the JRA content team. Here to talk to us about a number of things. He is Toshi Onikubo. Toshi, how are you, my friend? Hi, very good. And I'm so pleased to be on this program, Pete. I'm very good. And, and you, Pete? Oh, it's always good to, to get a chance 
to uh, to chat with you, my friend. Let's start off with a little bit about your background. What is your current role in racing aside from the work you're doing helping promote uh, the JRA here in North America? Uh, my main role uh, is working for a company called Net Dreamers, which manages the one of the leading uh horse racing media in Japan, you know, online platform uh, called netkeiba.com. Uh, I am the international representative and also uh, working in the business development uh, department, you know, internationally and domestically both. And racing, not just something you do professionally, but also a passion of yours. You have a, a big background as a racing fan. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, absolutely, Pete. You know, I graduated university with a veterinary degree and I worked for Stat Farm, one of the leading Stat Farm, Paka Paka Farm. Uh, Irish, uh, Irish man, Harry Sweeney owned, and I worked for them as, a, uh, assist, as an assistant manager and reproductive and, you know, breaking, etc. for as a veterinarian as well. And then I traveled to Ireland and I did, you know, Irish National Start course oh, with, you know, the 30 of other members. And then I completed Dolphin Flying Start course, uh, just finished a uh, year ago, 2021, and then joined Net Dreamers and now on. And also, you know, I'm working with, you know, this, you know, to promote Japanese racing to North American audience. And also, you know, I'm helping some guys to, you know, introducing their business to Japan, you know, being a bridge between international market and Japan. It's so important. There are two such great racing cultures and what an amazing resume you have. We're lucky to have a guy on our team with a, with a similar trajectory, our man, Alex Sauceville. I don't know if you've had a chance to meet Alex out in, out, out in Arizona or elsewhere, but who recently finished the Irish National Stud course. I had the pleasure of touring there back in April. Amazing facility. And then uh, he's going to do Flying Start as well. So we'll have to introduce you guys at some point. But we're here to talk about some specifics. We're back covering JRA action for the remainder of the year on the channel. We're going to be seeing a lot of Yutoshi. And the big race Saturday night uh, in USA terms is the Sprinter Stakes. What can you tell us about this race? What's the field looking like? And is there one in particular we might want to focus on having a bet on? So just brief, you know, explanation for the you know introduction for Sprinter Stakes. So that's one of the only two group on races over sprint distance, 1,200 meter in Japan. So, and one in spring, and this is autumn and winter. And autumn and winter, as it's, you know, the season, because of that, three years old and older horses, filly and mare, and of course, coat and horses. So this is true championship for the sprinters. So this is title decider for sprinters in Japan. And this year, it seems very open race. It's very interesting, you know, couple of contenders. And I think yeah, it will be very interesting to bet as well. Who are some of the top horses in terms of the market and the ones that you're the most interested in? So here we go. My pick would be Namra Kreya. So that's currently, you know, in the prediction notes, it says second favorite. Uh, she's daughter of Mikiyo. 
The favorite is also a daughter of Mikhail. Very interesting. He hasn't had produced any group of winners yet, but he was the probably the fastest, I mean one of the fastest son of the deep impact, sons of deep impact, if he wasn't the fastest. Very speedy horse, and definitely his progeny got that speed. And definitely a sire to look for with two top runners in, in this race. Any others you want to be potentially looking at in terms of uh, making a bet in the sprinter stakes? Yeah, that's an interesting question. You know, as it's, I believe it's open race. And then, you know, that's why, you know, I would like, uh, that's why I say Namra Kreya, you know, she, she has group on form. She finished in Okasho, she finished in third in Okasho, which is equivalent to 1,000 guineas. Yep. So Philly's fast, fast leg of the classic race in Japan. So she got group on form over a mile, and she was sprint group three winner at two, and she won group three uh, two races, just two races before she won group three over sprint distance against all the horses, including Colt. And then she was very unlucky last time out, but draw outside and a little bit shower just before the race. Ground was soft and she got stuck in the middle, just home stretch. But she was flying last 200 meter and she finished third from nowhere. So she had great chance, I believe. And then as it's, you know, I, I said, you know, that's an open race. I'd like to go for other three years old, you know, as it just, you know, wait our ones, it would help. And then, of course, the favorite, May KL, that's daughter, another daughter of May, you know, Mikiel. She has been very, you know, tricky horse, a little bit difficult to ride for the jockeys and riders. However, she's been improved and she was so impressive last time out. So it's very hard to be against her in this race. And this will going to be, you know, the fast group and race for the sire, Mikyar and day of Mikyar could be, I believe. One to keep involved as far as your exotics go. We're going to have a whole lot more on the sprinter stakes and the whole card on Saturday night, USA time. You can find that on in the money Once the PPs are out and uh, there's time to get some analysis done over there, that'll be up on Saturday. Just go back and check out inthemoneypodcast.com if you're looking for a reason to stay up late and bet some top quality racing. Speaking of top quality racing, one of the most famous races in all the world is happening Sunday morning, Eastern time in the USA over in Paris, France. That is the uh, the Arc de Triomphe, Frida Arc de Triomphe. And there is a major Japanese contingent heading there this year. Toshi, what's your assessment of the Japanese invaders heading to Paris this weekend? You're very strong contenders, I believe. And as everyone knows, Arc, the Arc is Japanese dream. Nearly, you know, desperation to win this race. And this year we got solid four contenders, title holder, Dordius, the derby winner, and Deep Bond, last year's you know prep race winner and dual group race winner stay foolish so that's very very strong contenders we got however you know Dodius finished the pre pre, pre- niel 
you know, prep race, uh, finished in poorly fourth. It was very disappointing, but it was, you know, prep race just, you know, three weeks before the arc. So he, she's surely improved. But if you look the previous results of the Japanese contenders, you know, any of Japanese horses finished, you know, fast three or, you know, finished fast two in the prep races and except, I mean, deep impact he, he unfortunately got disqualified after the race. However, he finished third without using prep race. I believe it's very important to use prep race for international contender as the arc never won by, you know, the horse trained outside of Europe. So you, you need to have prep race, I believe. So that's why, you know, title holder is a very, very strong horse in Japan. And, you know, he's dominant in group one races in Japan this year and very strong pace he got. And he probably handled, you know, wet ground as well. So everyone thinks he's a good chance. And, you know, before Badeni and, of course, you know, Baid was talking about going to the arc. You know, before that, title holder was, you know, number one favorite in the, you know, uh, anti-post market in the some of the book, bookmakers so i believe you know title holder has very strong chance however you know without using prep race is a difficult choice for them and it's you know huge barrier for him to overcome i believe and yeah other contenders are very strong as well so this is a championship for european horses perhaps in the world for the tough you know middle distance to long distance horses so that's of course, very competitive, and Japanese got strong contender. However, it's not the easiest race. No, no, maybe maybe one more to to root for for you than necessarily to have a bet on. Is that what I'm? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, it's very difficult to say. I was going to bet Dodius as he got you know arrow ones for three years old. It's massive in dark. And Phillies as well. I mean, yeah. Dodius is a cold, but Phillies and three years old usually have huge advantage. But if I would bet any Japanese horse, yeah, I, I would go for title holder, even he's not using any uh, prep race in France. What do you think about the ground for the Japanese runners? I, I, you know, it seems like it's been raining in Paris. I assume that's not necessarily the conditions they want. Am I reading that correctly? Yes, you're, you're correct. You know, the soft ground in Rongshan and soft ground in Tokyo or other racetrack in Japan is very different. And also other factor we need to consider is, you know, race pace is very different. You know, the different test in the arc, you know, than, than, than the, you know, Derby, you know, same distance, 2400 meter, mile and a half on turf, but very different test. So winning the Japanese Derby, you know, it's not required, you know, quite same ability to win the Arc de Triomphe in France at Blanchard, I believe. So the race pace and ground condition is very different from Japan. That's going to be a very tough test for Japanese horses. They typically go slower in France than they do in Japan. Is that right? Yes, correct. Very, very correct. You know, Japan is very, you know, close to the American racing, I believe. Yeah, more more speed conscious, and then when you when the pace tends to be slower early, that ability to to be in touch and and kick home past some of those local horses or European runners who are more 
used to that style of racing and or the ground. It's a challenge. It's going to happen one of these years. And hey, numerically, certainly a big chance this year. And, and on their class, certainly a big chance. There'll be some story if we could see a Japanese Raider win in Paris on Sunday. Well, Toshi, you're going to be back because we've got um, looking like we're going to have some serious Japanese uh, competition once again at the Breeders' Cup. And we'll have you back on to talk about those races when we get closer and uh, to talk about some of the JRA Saturday night in the USA action before then. So really appreciate your time. Uh, it's, it's night here in the States as we record and morning there. Hopefully you'll have a great weekend and you'll be back on these airwaves soon. Thank you, Pete. You too. So exciting. And thanks so much. Purses in Kentucky are powered by the Kentucky Thoroughbred Development Fund, a.k.a. the KTDF. KTDF dollars in purses are only for Kentucky bred horses. So breeding in Kentucky is the best way to maximize profits and return on investment for racing and breeding ventures. Churchill Downs Racing and the Kentucky Racing Circuit as a whole continue to be on an incredible upward trajectory. And we're very happy to be promoting Kentucky Racing and the KTDF on the In The Money Media Network. This week, we've got a special segment covering the late pick four on Saturday, including two stakes races. You can find that elsewhere on the network. Thanks to our friends at the KTDF. Next up on the show, very happy to bring in a tandem of guests I've been fortunate enough to have on several times this year, and uh, they're always providing great information. I'm sure it'll be the same in the stakes-laden Belmont card, Belmont at Aqueduct card, I should say, on Saturday. Lots of Breeders' Cup win, and you're in action on tap. First, we'll bring in the man who's uh, on the same level as me on the screen. He's also got an interesting ownership interest on Saturday. We'll talk to him about that as well. Legendary handicapping author, Stephen Christ. Steve, how are things? Hey, things are good, Pete. And then the man uh, in the lower portion of the screen, resplendent in his Regal Breeders' Cup purple, coming to us from uh, La Casa Roja in Saratoga Springs, Jonathan Kinchin. JK, don't forget to unmute. What's up? PTF, I can't believe you can't realize this is this is – this is Austin. I'm in Austin. <laughs> oh, that's the, the Austin Austin's. background. Yeah, oh my goodness, yeah. I got confused. You, <laughs> see, your portable setup uh, throws me off. Back in so back on the planet Texas. Then, how are things in Texas, and how are you doing? Things are good. It's a little bit warm. I've been in Saratoga, and, and the weather's obviously a little bit more uh, fall feeling. And then you get back down here, and it's it's back to 94 with the AC blasting in the car. So it's uh, a little bit of a shock to the system, but <laughs> no big deal. Steve, have you spent any time in Texas? Uh, as little as possible. <laughs> Fair, we just we deserve we deserve that as of late. I'll take it. <laughs> Too funny. All right, let's dive into these races, gentlemen, because we do not have a ton of time today. We kick off this pick six with race number six. It's a New York bred allowance race. We're going six furlongs on the turf. Steve, how do you see this one? Uh, I see this one as a kind of wide open mess. Uh, I mean, I have seven horses open to win the race. Uh, if I had to narrow it down to four, uh, I'd take the two King Moon Racer, the four Frank's Art, uh, the 12 and 13, whose names are War Terminator and Athenry. Uh, but I can't entirely throw out Mr. Chairman or Sheriff Bianco, so... Uh, this is one of those races where you use as many as you can afford. We, we, we're very familiar with that, uh, with that concept, and it does look like that type of scramble. And in a sequence where maybe you can get narrow enough later that you can use all of those. JK, do you have any more clarity as far as the sixth race goes? 
I, mean, I wouldn't call it clarity. I'm just going to approach the race a little bit different. I agree with Steve. If, if, if you don't use one, you got to use 19 of them. Um, I just really like the story that I've come up with, with the four Frank Sartre. Of course, debuts, first time out, runs well, wins impressively. Then they try to stretch the horse out. And in both of those races, if you watch the replay, pulling or rank, going longer in both of those races. And so my hope is now going back to the shorter distance, going back to the one turn, he won't have to kind of fight himself in that race. Won't have to use too much energy. A lot of just kind of sit there, find his stride, and then still finish like he did on debut. So usually in sequences like this with a bunch of stakes races, Pete, you know me well as everyone else does, as anyone else does that like, I, I like to single horses with these big names that we know, we know they're going to show up and run. We know that they, who they are and what they are. And it's, it's not very often than these allowance types races or the maiden claimers that in these sequences, do I find myself singling, but in this sequence, I'm going to try to make this whole pick six work because I was right about this opinion with Frank's art. And the good news is, is this first leg of the pick six. If you get knocked out, you got the pick five in about 20 minutes. And speaking of that pick five, it kicks off with the grade one Woodward stakes, mile and an eighth on the dirt. Not something you see every day here. A one to nine morning line favorite. Personally, I, I, I love the fact that David Aragona made life is good one to nine because I think that's a pretty accurate reflection of his chances to win the race. Steve, what do you think of, of, of this race? Is it as simple as life is good? And what do you think of the concept of a one to nine morning line shot? Uh, I'm, I too applaud him for making the horse one to nine. You know, there's a lot of tracks that would make him four to five uh, and pretend that this is some kind of a competitive affair. It's a walkover. I, I mean, they found four horses to run against him who aren't in the same universe. Uh, he'll go to the lead and we'll watch him run around the track. And it's that simple. JK, any disagreement? No, I mean, we, we joke, you know, there's a lot of joking that you can say, oh, this horse could run, win the race running backwards. I, I actually thought of a joke that I actually do think is true. I, I really believe that if they started him behind the gate, that Irad would be able to navigate him around the gate, <laughs> to, like to get, and then still win the race. I truly, truly believe that. <laughs> Let's not spend another second on it because race eight uh, is the grade two Miss Grillo for these two-year-old fillies, a mile and a 16th on the turf. I think at first glance looks a bit of a match slash rematch between the two free look and the six be your best. JK, how do you split those two? Will there be any other numbers on your tickets? Yeah. I mean, be your best is, is, is likely uh, the best in, horse in this race. Um, the way, you know, there's a couple of horses that the way that they move physically is so good that even I can tell who doesn't barely recognize unless they have three or four legs And this horse, be your best. The way that that horse was reaching in the last race, just really bouncing, like almost like exploding off of the turf course. Yabir, the way that he moved, I can tell was a good mover. Uncle Mo, I can tell was a good mover. American Pharaoh, this be your best. I'm not saying that he, that she's that with those animals. I can just tell that she's really, really talented the way she runs. I know how high Chad was on idea generation who that I, that whole idea might not actually pan out. We'll find out actually earlier in the card on Saturday, but be your best just destroyed all of those horses in that race. And I think she probably is the best horse in this race. The only one I can even get cute with, and it's not even really getting cute. It's probably a horse I would use as a single B would be the two free look. It was impressive last time, but had a fast pace to close on too. Steve, is it as simple as those two in here and how do you split them? Uh, I, I don't split them. They're both A's with me, 
but I will use a little bit of a luring angel. Uh, the Kentucky Downs race that she's coming out of, uh, that 70 could be a 75. That was a weird day at Kentucky Downs. They had a lot of six and a half furlong races, and uh, the, the buyer people split the variant a couple of times. Uh, but I think Alluring Angel is pretty talented. Whether she's up to the level of the other two yet, I don't know. But, but she's really the only price opportunity in here. Everyone is going to go 2-6 in this race. I'm going to throw in a little bit of four. Do you uh, you use those equally, Steve? Any any top pick between the two and the six? Yeah, I, I guess I would go go with the six. I just feel like the you know the two has a little more ceiling. You know, the, the Chad horses can just jump up another five or six points in their third career starts. But be, be your best was so visually impressive last time. I, I have nothing bad to say about her. Any you had another thought on this one, J.K. Before we move yeah. On? Real quick, I don't know what time this is going to air, but either way, let's go ahead and talk about it. Today, which is Friday, we recorded this at Aqueduct. In the 6th, there's a horse in the 10th named Moon Age Dream. And if you look at the workout reports, Moon Age Dream has been outworking George's Spirit, Georgie Spirit, who's running in the Miss Grillo, and also Alluring Angel. So if you get this in time, I think that could be a little push for the 6th on Friday at Belmont at Aqueduct, um, a horse that's been working with these two stakes types. I've got a great segue here. Moon Age Dream, of course, makes me think of the David Bowie classic Moon Age Daydream from the Ziggy Stardust album, which I'm sure, JK, you're very familiar with. That makes me think of another uh, David Bowie-themed name that's going to be on display in race number nine, who happens to be owned by one of today's guests, Thin White Duke. Tell us about this horse, Steve. How he's gotten so, so good. I just want to hear what it's like to have been involved with him in general and, and what you think of your chances here in race number nine. Well, it's, it's been a, a tremendous ride because as a two-year-old, uh, he was exciting and he won two stakes races for us, uh, including the funny side at Saratoga while he was still a maiden. And then last year he came back and he was just awful. Uh, grass or, or dirt, it didn't matter. Uh, and there was something wrong with him. We turned him out for nine months and he came back and you don't know what to expect after that. I mean, he, he might be finished, but, you know, he owes us nothing. He won those two stakes as a two year old. And after a couple of grass roots, uh, John Velasquez said to us, you know, I think this horse really might like turning back to five and a half. Uh, and we did that and he's turned into a new horse. He came within two necks of beating Golden Pal in the grade three Troy. And then last time he was up to win the lucky coin by a nose. Uh, so it's just been thrilling to see him come back. And, you know, he's, he's going to go off, I think, close to co-favored uh, in this Belmont turf sprint. I think there's a bunch of horses who are going to go off between seven to two and six to one. And he's one of them. And these races are scrambles and, you know, it all depends on the trip, but I, as they say, I hate to use a cliche, but I wouldn't trade places with anyone in the race. <laughs> do you have anybody in particular you're worried about? When you have a horse in a race like this, do you look at it with the same sort of objectivity you do a race you're going to bet, or, or is, it, is it a different kettle of fish? It's a different kettle of fish, and also I don't want to get too far into looking at the other horses because as the owner of this horse, I am not allowed to bet against him which means that if I play this pick five or pick six, I'm singling him. 
So, you know, I really don't want to torture myself with, <laughs> oh, there's one other horse who, you know, I'm really afraid of when I can't use that horse. So I'll be singling in here, but uh, not a great race to single. Totally fair. Totally fair. In a funny way, maybe it's a great race to single because I think so many people are going to think it's so wide open just strictly from an expected value point of view. You know, yes, you're complicating your win bet on your own horse, but I don't hate the idea. JK, we can bring you in for the more objective assessment of this uh, Belmont uh, sprint. Well, I don't, I don't want to mess up. Uh, I don't want to mess up Steve's mind. Like he said, I don't, he can't use other horses. So I don't want to convince him. No, I, look, I, I think that this is a situation where, I recognize how good Golden Pal is, and I recognize how good Thin White Duke is. And because of that, this is why I, I picked Thin White Duke last time when he won uh, in the Lucky Coin, because I thought that was so impressive what he did staying so close to Golden Pal. You know, the two Arzac was close as well to Golden Pal, so probably deserves a little credit. Um, the eight Fauci just kind of always shows up and is going to win one of these races at some point at a big price. And the 10 dancing buck exits that golden pal race too. If golden pal or thin white Duke aren't in the running lines recently, then I'm not using them. Those are the only horses I'll use just because I think that those are the quality horses in here. Lots of seven with maybe a little two, nine, 10 for JK. Is that what I'm getting? That is about right. Let's talk about more Breeders' Cup win, and you're in action. The grade one champagne for these two-year-old Colts. We're going a mile on the dirt. JK, we'll keep it with you. I'm going to kind of press a Gulfport. We've talked about on the show before where I'll, I'll, I'll you know, kind of pull up the ticket maker thing, and I'll make a ticket with, you know, the three verifying the four champions dream and the six Gulfport as A horses. But then I'll come back and I'll open up another window, and I'll just use Gulfport as an A to kind of have that extra push, that extra Ump that I want on that ticket. Gulfport's first two races were very, very impressive. Uh, there's the tricky trip ride where Joel and the Saratoga special that we can forgive. And there's a the sloppy racetrack I think you could probably try to forgive last time. I'm going to stay on Gulfport one more time to get a fast track to be able to show us who he really is. But I do think Champions Dream and Verifying deserve some attention as well. Champions Dream was very impressive for Danny Gargan on debut. Came And I think he'll probably take a step forward. And then Verifying the same way for Brad Cox. Steve, who do you think wins the champagne? Uh, I, I think I must be crazy because I love a horse in this race who nobody else likes and who's the longest price on the morning line. And that's Blazing Sevens for Chad Brown. This is a race, you know, you've got a six-horse field. And to my mind, five of them are speeds who don't finish very well. Whereas Blazing Sevens in his debut uh, really pulled away from a field. And I know the time may look slow, but that was when the Saratoga track was very, very deep. And for a horse to be able to run away from his field the way this horse did in the stretch, I thought was very impressive. Then I just put a line through his hopeful because he can't handle a sloppy track, apparently. Uh, he ran very poorly. Now, speaking of sloppy track, we, we have to kind of, you know, with this entire sequence say there's a very good chance of serious rain tomorrow. I mean, I just looked and it's like 70 to 80% all morning. It doesn't taper off until three o'clock. So, you know, if there's a monsoon, we could still end up with the sloppy track and off the grass races. So, you know, be aware that's a possibility. But if, if it's not a sloppy track, I, I'm going to take the shot with with uh, Blazing Sevens. Now, I'll, I'll also use Verifying and Gulfport sort of as bees. Uh, but but this is my horse for the day. 
if they if you they take you to the asylum, they can take me with you because uh, this is the horse I picked on Horse Player Happy Hour when Matt Bernier and I went over these races for much the same reasons. I do like in these two-year-old races where you've got so much speed stretching out that hasn't necessarily shown a great finishing ability to take a horse who can finish. I share your concerns, but I think Blazing Sevens is interesting. Are we are we convincing you, J.K.? Can we get a line of Blazing Sevens on your tickets? Yeah, you know, you know, I got to be honest, like. I, I had had a conversation with Chad and he was like, I'm going to I'm going to run blazing sevens in the champagne. And he kind of said it like a, some confidence and I like, and I was like, let me look at, let me look at blazing sevens numbers. I looked at his numbers and I was like, Oh, okay, cool. Like, I didn't want <laughs> to, I didn't want to burst his bubble, but uh, you well, know, like slower horses horses beat, got, yeah, when slower horse, slower horses beat faster horses when they get a, a setup, you know? And I, th- yeah, I think that's, no, that's no, it makes that. sense. It makes yeah. sense. And and Steve makes a great point about the figure that I wasn't even that I wasn't even considering. I'm 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 super curious to see how it plays out, and hopefully the weather doesn't mess with things too badly um, either here or at Laurel, which we we'll have Laurel covered on a whole other show. A bunch of stakes racing going on down there. But one more race we're going to talk about here at Belmont at the Big A. We've got just a few minutes to do it. It's our nightcap. We've got three and up Philly and Mare New York Preds going six furlongs on the dirt. Field of 10 scheduled to go postward. Steve will ask you the key question about this pick six. How are we going to get paid? Well, you know, this is a race that's somewhat weather related uh, because if we do have a sloppy track, I think can't hurry. Love is close to a cinch in this race. I uh, came off an eight month layoff on a sloppy track and posted a figure that no other horse in this race, you know, can get near. Uh, so I'll be watching the weather before I make out my, ticket singling thin white duke uh if not if we have a more normal track uh i'm looking at three outside horses uh the seven teleperfect tail the eight rebo's valentine and the nine liberty flame seven eight and nine on dry the three if it's wet jk how about you what numbers do you see to cap off this pick six yeah, I, I felt the same way about the three. Uh, even even regardless of the racetrack, just the fact the horse ran so well off of a break, you'd like to think there'd be another step forward. It was also the first time with Lasix last time, so maybe that kind of helped move. Can't hurry, love to that next level of speed figure. Um, and then the ten, uh, Patrio towards the outside, uh, lures Irad has some very fast early pace figures drawn towards the outside. You know, I'm a sucker for that. A horse that can kind of stay connected, stay tactical, not have to get stopped. Sometimes they just kind of keep going while the other ones have a little bit of trouble. And then as B types, I had the four, another one with some early speed, the seven and the eight as B types, just using the three and the 10 as A's. Three, 10. And did you say four, seven, eight on the backup line? Yep. Yep. Four, seven, eight. Great stuff. Guys, really appreciate the time this morning. That was uh, lean and mean, as we were hoping it would be. You know I'll be bothering both of you in the near future. So much good stuff happening. Belmont and Aqueduct as we segue into the Breeders' Cup. And, Steve, we wish you Godspeed. We'll be, as we have since this horse's two-year-old year, we'll be rooting along with you. Have a great day out there at Aqueduct. Appreciate it. Thanks. JK, we'll see you on the TV. See you. Next up on the show, we bring in a man who you know from his podcast on this network that he does with Michelle Yu, the owner's box. You also know him as one of the founding and managing partners from Little Red Feather Racing. And he's coming to us right now, it looks like, from the fancy Little Red Feather suite out there at the great race place, Santa Anita. Billy Koch, how are things? 
everything's good, Pete. Happy to be here. Happy to be home for a minute. It's nice to uh, come back to Santa Anita. We get in our suite and got a bunch of runners this weekend and a bunch next weekend. And obviously a lot of Breeders' Cup prep. So we're excited. The partners are excited. And uh, it's nice to be here. It's a beautiful day here at Santa Anita. Uh, it usually is. It usually is. I was supposed to be out there this weekend, wasn't able to make it. I will be at Keeneland end of the month. I got an England trip coming up in between. What are your Keeneland plans? Will you be in Lexington at all? I will. Uh, I'm going to be here for probably, I think I get to Keeneland on like the 24th that week. So it's two weeks before the Breeders' Cup. Spend some time there. Uh, enjoy the fall Keeneland meet, which is awesome. And uh, then get ready for Breeders' Cup. That Breeders' Cup week is going to be amazing. The the draws on Monday. It's at Rupp Arena. Like there's some fun stuff that's going to happen that week. It's it's a special place for it. It should be great. I'll be there the last few days of the Keeneland meet proper as well. Perhaps we can get a fun day in the in the green room and not get absolutely into the love the green fun. room. Love the green room. Love Misty. She is awesome. That's a She's great the team. The great team they have over there. Let's talk about. Well, we're here to talk about the golden hour pick four on the Santanita card on Saturday. It's a stakes laden card. We did a whole special show about it. Folks can find elsewhere on the YouTube channel or in the podcast feed here. We're going to focus golden hour, but I would be remiss if I did not ask you about a horse. We talked about the last time that he ran September 3rd at Del Mar gold flipping Phoenix is back in action for you and your partners, Billy, how's this horse doing? What are the expectations in the John Henry? Well, yeah, Gold Flippin' Phoenix. Is that what we're calling him now? Well, you know, it's a family show. Okay, Gold F and Phoenix. Um, yeah, you know, he came out of that uh, Del Mar handicap in great shape. Obviously, it was an amazing race. Pratt rode an amazing race. Uh, free trip to the Breeders' Cup turf, which is a $4 million race. And when you have a situation like that, Pete, you have to be really smart about do you run in between? And um, the horse came out so good. And, and Phil D'Amato, who's obviously done a tremendous job and does a tremendous job, uh, just said, you know what? I think it'd be good for him to run rather than just train up to the Breeders' Cup. He's a lightly raced horse. He's only made eight career starts. Uh, hasn't missed a beat this year. If you look at his form, it's funny because I was looking at this last night. He ran January, March, April, April, June, July, September. So really we've spread out his races nicely, but there's only eight starts. You're going to head to this Breeders' Cup for $4 million with horses that have run, you know, 30 times, right? I mean, and and so Phil said he's feeling really confident about himself right now. He's training good. He's really sound. Let's, let's run him here. And it's an interesting spot because it's not one we have to win, right? right. You just have to run good. And, and there's, there's a little bit of speed in here with Master Foxhounds and uh, Breakpoint. Uh, both of those horses figure to be on, on or near the lead going a mile and a quarter. I think Master of Foxhounds is going to like the cutback in distance, actually. Um, and obviously, he's trained by Phil. So uh, it's a good race. It's very evenly matched. I think Gold Phoenix will ultimately be favored just based on what happened last time. But it's not a race he has to win. I think he's going to be sitting probably last. J.J. Hernandez will you know, turn him loose for that last quarter mile. And if he gets there, great. Obviously, we want to win. We want to win the John Henry. He's my favorite horse growing up. It means a lot to win a race like this, so I don't want to downplay that. But if he runs a good second or runs a good third and he's running on at the end, you know, that that's what we're looking for. Just come out sound and take your shot for $4 million a month later. 
Well, we'll be talking about him and more Little Red Feather runners in the coming uh, in the coming weeks and months, no doubt, on these airwaves. Let's move to the regularly scheduled programming, talking okay. about this Golden Hour Pick 4. Kicks off in Santa Anita's ninth race, the Unzip Me Stakes. We're going down the hill, six and a half for these three-year-old fillies. What numbers do you see on your tickets, Billy? Well, I, you know... When you have a horse that's probably going to be, I think she'll be a big favorite. I think it's Connie Swingle, the five. It's Phil D'Amato on the grass. Uh, Kyle Frey knows this filly. She's two for two at Santa Anita. Um, absolutely loves it here. Ran a huge race down in Del Mar when she got back to the grass. Um, she beat Legs Galore that day. And beating Legs Galore at five furlongs is not easy. And I think she she stands out in this particular race. But you're not going to get a price. So what I would do is I would bet one kind of big ticket singling Connie Swingle to start off your your pick four. Um, then I would maybe do a smaller ticket. And the horses, I kind of, I kind of like the two Jeff Mullins runners, the two Delmoni, uh, Delmona. Uh, she She's a new shooter, and I like that. She had run at Santa Anita. She has one down the hill, but then she went back east, comes back now. She gets Rispoli. Countess Rosina, the four is 12 to one for Ryan Curtola. We haven't seen this horse since July, early July in the San Clemente. Um, gets back down the hill. She had run down the hill. In fact, she lost to Connie Swingle three back. So um, those two horses are prices. And I would also give a shot to the eight um, Tesere for Pete Miller. Hector Berrios, for those of you who don't know, has just torn it up out here in Southern California. Really was a revelation at Del Mar. And, and this horse is also 12 to one. And I like her cutting back in distance. If they go too fast, maybe this horse gets a piece. So one big single and then just a small ticket, kind of a cover ticket with the two, the four and the eight. I like that approach. I was with you on Connie Swingle has not only a horse for course on the downhill, but a horse who seems to do particularly well on the downhill and is so versatile and cool and fast just seemed like the obvious one to have as the top pick. I was a little bit interested in the 10 briefcase girl. I like the outside posts going on the downhill. I like the cutback from the mile for a horse with this kind of profile who is running faster than average pace figures going longer projects to be in a good position. I definitely wanted to have some briefcase girl as a B with Connie Swingle uh, as an A to get things kicked off. And with that, we'll move up North. The first golden gate race we'll be talking about is race number nine, seven Eastern the scheduled post time for this one mile allowance race field of eight going postward. Billy, who do you like in here? I'm, I, I hate this race, really, because I think it's pretty chalky. I think the two favorites, um, Kings River Knight, the two, Andy Mathis, eight to five on the morning line. Um, I don't look at buyer speed figures a lot, but I don't have sheets for this race, but uh, has paired 80s. One his last two starts, both impressively at Del Mar. And when you're talking about, uh, you know, a state bred maiden, you know, because this horse is a cow bred, and then a state bred one other than, obviously they're not open races pete so he's running against cowbreds and now he's got to face open company but the problem here is the horse he has to beat is also a cowbred and he's at golden gate now and not delmar so i think this horse is very obvious to make it three in a row for andy mathis who had a huge meet at delmar and then his danger is u.s danger the four five to two for jonathan wong anytime you're talking about a, a race at golden gate you you look for wong uh asael espinosa has had a great start to the meet he's hitting at 26 percent this horse has has plenty of speed. There is a lot of speed with the uh, horse outside of him, uh, or her, I should. Oh no, him, uh, Anita. 
Anita New Mercedes. How do people name these horses? Anita <laughs> New Mercedes. I don't understand it. Uh, the thing that gets me is it's so easy to call a horse a filly when the name starts with Anita. Anita. That's why I got confused. That's why I got yeah. confused. But I think U.S. Danger sets the pace. I think Kings River Knight sits right off. And I think it's pro it's one of those two. I would probably push the two uh, more than the four. So make a couple of tickets if you're making that A-B grid. But I think one of those two horses wins this race. I like the same two horses. I had it in the other order. Just looking at pace figures, I think there's a chance that U.S. Danger could end up finding himself clear in this spot. Found the mile just a, a little bit too far the last day, but I, I'm hoping that it doesn't get too much harassment up front and can right. maybe walk the dog a little bit on the lead, and, and we'll see if this Jonathan Wong runner can't get the job done in the second start of the layoff. But I did think that Kings River Knight looked a little bit too sharp to ignore made a move into the fast part of the race last time stuck on well just has this very forward profile and you know looking at just looking at the specifics of that calbred allowance the last day i don't think this is a particular step up look it is theoretically kind of saying it. yeah when you look right. at the particular group of yeah. horses i the horse just fits like a glove so i think we're both the right. same in there two Great and four thought. to the hoop to get things out of there anything else on this one no, I've done some work just with Andy Mathis recently. We have a couple horses with him now and um, does a really good job. Uh, very good trainer, very on top of things, good communicator. So um, if anybody's looking for trainers uh, in that uh, kind of a smaller trainer, especially maybe up north, uh, Andy Mathis does a really, really good job. It's a good tip. And, you know, I get that idea. I understand why so many owners are attracted to the biggest names in the business. But, you know, the way that I look at the world, having, you know, a smaller operation, somebody who you have a chance to have a runner who's going to be, you know, one to, closer towards the top of the pecking order in the barn. That's an appealing notion. And anytime you can find somebody sharp and on, on the come, I mean, you obviously have a good track record in your career finding trainers in that exact profile and sort of going on the ride with them. Yeah, you just want people who know what they're doing and, and who run a very good barn and who are organized and who communicate. As a partnership, um, we need communication. Right. Period. It's a little different, right? It's different than, yeah, it's than, not, than some It's people. not a phone call. How'd my horse work? It's like we need a little bit of information so that we can then, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? It's disseminate. Yeah. How about that word? Where'd Wait, that come that, that was very good. Okay. That was, that's you, my you, Northwestern you, education, Pete, yeah, right there. You're, you're, the, the SAT, the old yeah. English SAT uh, is coming into play. Yeah. There, Billy. Yes, but it makes sense. Your needs are different than just somebody who, you know, an individual owner. It's different than these partnerships are so great. The way they help grow the game and bring in so many owners. I mean, I met, meet so many owners who started out with Little Red Feather or, or another yep. partnership. And 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 the needs are different. And, and a trainer you know, a lot of trainers famously prefer horses to people. And I get that, but you know, the, the ability to, to shine a little bit of a light and create like an experience around the thing, when you can find somebody who can do that, it's, it's bonus points for sure. And, and kind of a sine qua non, I would think for someone in your position. Yeah. I don't know what that means, but it's, <laughs> um... it's essential. Does that work? Oh, okay. Much better. Much better. Word. Now I just showed off my lack of education. <laughs> I'm throwing the Latin in there. You've got the 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 twenty. Hey, at least I'm years. honest. At least I'm honest. Hey, look at the, what do you think of my shirt? By the way, look at this. I wore this for you. That is awesome. You saw me down there at the park last weekend. Yes, I wore this for you. I went during Preakness week. Oh, I think we were probably at the same game that Thursday game when they came back yeah. against the Yankees. It's yeah, no. it's funny. I actually grew up loving the Orioles. Funny enough, and yeah, at some point, the Mets, who I'm repping today, absolutely took over my brain, but. I, I have to say, they, this is a fun young 
Oriole team who overachieved yeah, this year, and they they're poised for for future success. So yeah, we appreciate that. We got we got all my baseball teams. Let's head back down south, my friend, for the nightcap at Santa Anita. We've got these two-year-old maiden fillies going six furlongs on the turf. Really curious to get your institutional knowledge oh. about what's going to happen here. I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. These are two-year-old fillies sprinting six furlongs on the grass. Most of these horses, uh, obviously, the first-time starters have never even seen the grass. So you have really have no idea. We don't have workout reports yet. We don't have a, a, a concept. So I like to go with experienced horses. Um, I was torn between the two, uh, me, 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 Mimita for Jonathan Wong. We just talked about him. Um, ran really well at Del Mar, got beat ahead in a, in a, in a pretty good race by Sally Sassy, who I believe came back and ran in the juvenile Phillies turf and ran. Okay. Um, so I would make her my top pick Jose Valdivia rides four to one on the morning line. Then you have candy karma on the outside. Who's she did run in the juvenile Philly turf. Um, and, and didn't run badly that day. She was only beat five lengths by our Philly Comanche country, who was two for two down there and is going to run next week in the surfer girl, um, and then hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, knocking on wood, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Philly Turf. So um, this Philly cuts back in distance, and Pete Miller's no dummy. She gets outside. She gets Vasquez. She's 72. Totally logical here. Um, you got Phil D'Amato, who puts blinkers on the dance between 6-1. to one. Hector Berrios, we talked about him. We talked about Phil. She comes out of the same race as me, me, me Mimita. So, um, and if you look, that was an interesting race. She had trouble there. She ended up only getting beat by two and three-quarter lengths in that race. But it's kind of if you just glance at the running line, you may not see it. But she was actually had a really bad trip, was coming late. I'd, I'd say 279 are the keys. If you want to take a couple of stabs with first-time starters, Pete Miller and Gary Barber are sharp, and they get J.J. Hernandez on Dashaway. That's the one. And then the Mandela first are with Rispoli, 6-1 to one on the morning line. So this is a spready-type race. There's Until workout reports come out and until we get closer to the race, try to get some information on some of these first-time starters, you really have no idea. And that's why the spread. And that's why it's important in that early race, if you like Connie Swingle, then just single her. And, yep. and so you, so it gives you some room here so you make sure you hit. I was – and even going five deep, you, get, you know, I, I'm not yep. sure if I'd say sure, but I get those ideas. Two, nine, and seven on the top line. One and five is backups. The nine you mentioned, Candy Carmel, was the runner that I was most interested in. Looks like a really good candidate for a cutback, making a move into the fast right. pace last time and maybe just finding – you know, you'd think on breeding the mile would be okay, but maybe at this point in her career – the six furlongs on the turf. This might just be absolutely perfect for what she wants to do. She's got some proven ability coming out of that stakes race. I, I thought she was looked like the one that I wanted to have the most tickets with. And, you know, I'll take a look at your other numbers and build some backups as well. The pay leg in this sequence huh. is... We go, we go from maiden two-year-old fillies at six furlongs to a mile and a half on yeah. the synthetic. Like, it's, what is going on here? It's one of the fun things about the golden hour pick four, though. You get a good, I mean, a good sampling of races. It all unfolds quickly. You get the low takeout. It's a very, uh, the higher minimum, all player friendly stuff. And it just, you know, it's kind of fun. It's different. Yeah. Um, what do you think is going to happen? How are we going to get paid? Well, I, you know, when you're talking distance, it's the most important thing right is is can this horse get this distance it doesn't matter how good they are how sharp they are how if they've run you know whatever so i i went i actually looked at dr hoffman the five he just won basically 
at a mile and a, he did win at a mile and a yeah. half at Golden Gate. And so you know he was 10 to 1 that day, 6 to 1 on the morning line today. I think you got to use this horse just just purely on that distance play because all these other horses, you look at a horse like Vantage Point or Cleopatra Strike. I mean, I'm looking at Cleopatra Strike. She, she he didn't win at a mile and a quarter. He's 9 now. He's stretching out to a mile and a half. You have vantage point seven to two. Uh, uh, you know, this horse is one for eight lifetime at Golden Gate, never run further than a mile and a sixteenth. You have Kazan, who's been around forever. He's a seven-year-old. I'm um, looking at his. He did run in the San Juan Capistrano and only was beaten four lengths at 50 to one. So I think you got to kind of you're gonna use a bunch here. I think I would use probably Kazan, probably Dr. Hoffman, which is the three and the five maybe vantage point, maybe Cleopatra strike, just kind of the logicals here and just hope that you get a price, you catch a price. Obviously, Johnny Wong, uh, happy, happy is the one. Um, this horse is pretty sharp right now with two third place finishes and his last two starts. And he's younger. He's five. I, look, I'm all for, you know, nine year olds and seven year olds. I think it's fantastic that they're still sound and running. We have one of our own, my boy Tate, who's who's, you know, still running in New York Red Stakes races at the tender age of eight. Uh, and and I think he's eight, might be seven, I have to look. Um, but so I, this is, again, a, it goes back to when you're constructing the ticket, Pete, and that's why Connie Swingle is important if you're going to single, because I don't think you have, I, I don't think you can have too strong of opinion here with all these horses and just the question marks about the distance and the surface. Yeah, where you can get skinny on those tickets, you can use all four that you mentioned potentially, but I yeah. doubt you're going to want to play a four by four by four by four backup. No. Find another exactly. place to, to get skinny. And, exactly. Uh, and that's why I would even on, I would even get real skinny on the second, the first Golden Gate race, the ninth with either Kings River Knight or U.S. Danger. Kind of choose one of those two. Um, I was I was more on Kings River Knight. Pete was more with U.S. Danger. I think if you go there and you do a ticket with Connie Swingle, and with one of those two, you could spread in these other two races and hopefully catch a price. That's kind of the the way to do it. If you don't want to single Connie Swingle, then you're going to have to cut down somewhere. Yeah, I do want to play one combo of tickets that get skinny to Cleopatra's strike in this spot. Okay. You, you made the point about the age, but if you go way, way back, and it, it requires some scrolling <laughs> to go way, way back in the PPs, I have arguably... A, I have a- I have an actual real racing form in front of me right now. This is the first time I've had this in in ages. So you, you, what, you, what you're telling me is that the 2019 uh, Hollywood no. Turf Cup is not in that PP. No, well, that not. was Sorry. that was the last time he ran a mile and a half. Who trained know, him? At, then? At, the, at the grade two level, who was the trainer then? It D'Amato. would have been Damato. Yes, um, slam dunk. This yep. horse was beaten a length in a grade two going a mile and a half. It's arguably oh, his best race. He's a good horse. No question. He's the yeah. class of the race for sure. And second off the layoff and should get a good trip. So while I take your point and I have no argument with running some backup lines, I will have some combos singled to Cleopatra strike. Because as we've talked about many times, like when you can when you can single where others are spreading, yep. you're like winning in equity terms. So 100%. that's the horse I'm going to go. That would be my selection in this I, race and, i couldn't yeah. argue that i couldn't argue that he's the class of the field you know he's probably you know he can get the distance and I, I can't argue with your point pete i just i would love to beat him well we'll see what happens on saturday we appreciate you we appreciate gold flipping phoenix we'll be rooting for you and the partners godspeed my friend and we'll see you on the owner's box very soon thank you buddy appreciate it thanks to everybody that's going to do it for this edition of the show i want to thank all of today's guests i want to thank our founding partners 
10 Strike Racing, and the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation. Most of all, though, I want to thank all of you for listening, making these shows so much fun to do. Reach out with your questions and comments. Sign up for our free newsletter in themoneypodcast.com slash email. Rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. That's a free way you can really help us out. And if you're willing to spend a little bit more for more content, like little digests of the picks from all the shows and extra shows like our Arc de Triomphe special we're going to be dropping here in a little bit. You can sign up for In The Money Plus, inthemoneypodcast.com slash plus to learn more about that. This show has been a production of In The Money Media. Today's producer is producer Craig. Our business manager is Drew Cotney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May you win all your photos.